Our next lesson will also come from the Gospels. We're going to be reading from, God, from, John, from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 23. We're reading Luke 23, verses 44 through 46. Luke 23, 44 through 46. Now, I invite you to stand as you're able in body or in spirit for the reading of our Gospel lesson. It was about noon. A darkness had come over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. After this, he breathed his last. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I was reading this week about cars, just the different types of cars, and just, just looking up some stuff. I was kind of on one of those. You ever do it where you kind of chase it, get that, go down a rabbit hole, and you just kind of start looking at different things? And I, was, I was just reading about different things this week and different cars, and I saw this very interesting study, very interesting study. The, the safest form of cars, of all the different type of cars out there, statistically, the safest type of car out there is something that we probably will see very little of, at least around here, I would think, are self-driving cars. It's interesting. Like, if you look at it, statistically, I can show you stat after stat how statistically a self-driving car is by far the safest possible way to drive. And intellectually, if you think about it, it makes sense. Because let's think about it. Okay, I was taught to drive by my daddy. My daddy was an 18, drove, drove, he, he was a truck driver. He drove 18 wheelers. So he taught me how to drive, kind of like how he, he drives. So he, he gave me some very helpful rules of the road uh, when it comes to driving. First, the 18 wheeler will always win the fight. They're undefeated. They always win. That, that's, that's just the way it goes. They always win. The second thing was this. He said, the most thing you have to think up, have to look up for the most is the other person. Always keep your eyes open for the other person. Always pay attention to the other person. You've got to always keep your eyes open and your eyes peeled for the other person. Then daddy gave me an additional rule to that. He said, and always assume they're going to do the wrong thing. Always assume the person in the other car is going to do the wrong thing. They have the blinker on. They're not really going to turn. They're just messing with you. They don't have their blinker on. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to turn. So Daddy always said, first, the 18-wheeler always wins. Second, keep your eye on the road. Keep your eye on the other guy. And third, assume the other guy is going to always make the wrong choice. So let's take this back to the self-driving thing. Why are self-driving cars statistically the safest form of, dri of driving? Because a self-driving car eliminates the most dangerous part of driving. And what is that? The human. <laughs> the user. The user, the car driver, is by far the most dangerous impediment on the road. So I can show you study after study, fact after fact, statistic after statistic of why a self-driving car is by far the safest form of driving. And you know what? I ain't riding that thing. That's crazy. I need my hand on the wheel. I'm not trusting my car to some computer that Putin's probably already hacked into and going to drive me in the reservoir. I'm not doing that. You lost your mind. 
That's crazy. I'm not getting in a, in a, in a self-driving car. I don't care what stats you show me. doesn't matter. I don't trust that thing. I need to feel my hand on the wheel. Then I'll be okay. I don't trust it. Trust is a difficult thing, isn't it, y'all? Very few of us have people that we trust. A statistic, I don't know if you've seen some of the recent statistics of, um, of um, anxiety and depression among teenagers. And one of the interesting studies is that, is that very few teenagers have anyone in their life that they truly trust. And that leads to incredible anxiety and depression when there's no one in your life that you trust. Think about us as adults. How many of us truly, truly, truly have people we trust? I'm not talking about people we talk to. I'm not even talking about people we gossip with. I'm talking about actual people that we trust to be our true, authentic self and transparent with. If we're lucky, y'all, if we're lucky, we have a spouse who we truly trust. Maybe one or two friends that we truly, like truly trust, deep down the core of being trust. Maybe if we're fortunate, we really trust our parents or really trust our child. But most of us, I would bet if we were to be truly honest, most of us probably have, if we're fortunate, five to six people in our life, max, that we really, 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 truly trust. Trust is a hard thing, y'all. Trust, particularly, it's a hard thing when trust has been betrayed. Someone years ago could have betrayed your trust, and 30 years later, you still don't trust people. It might not have anything to do with the actual people in your life now. But fool me once, shame on me, etc., etc., you know? So, trust is difficult. Trust is a very difficult thing. I always think it's so significant. As, as we're in this series we're doing right now uh, called Last Words. During Lent, we've been looking at the last words of Jesus that he said upon the cross. And spoiler alert, you know he's going to rise from the dead next Easter, like a week from now. So we're going to celebrate that. During Lent, we focus on his last words. On Easter Sunday morning, we're going to focus on his first words. So during Lent, we've looked at what he said upon the cross. And on, on Easter, we're going to look at what were the first things he said as he rose from the dead. I think it's so significant. I think it's so significant to see what he says in these last moments. Because think about it. He's, he's going to die. He's going to go to the grave. And you would want your last words you say before this moment to be impactful. Very few of us leave our home, leave our family, leave our children, leave our spouse without saying something significant. If you're like me, the last thing out of my mouth when I leave my house to my wife and my kids or I love you. Because you don't know what the future holds. So there's Jesus going to die on the cross. You would have to think, you would have to think that his last words have incredible significance and incredible meaning to them. So we stop and we look and see what each one specifically says. But here's what's interesting. The last few words have been very centered on death. Last week we talked of how he said, it is finished. Today we see him saying, I commend my spirit to you. What is all this about? What are these specific things about that he's saying here? Okay, well, today's saying, into, my hand, into your hands I commend my spirit. He's talking to God. But what's very interesting here, just like a few weeks back, you know what he's doing here? He's quoting a psalm. 
That right there, into your hands I commend my spirit, is a quotation from Psalm 31.5. Just like my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is a quotation from Psalm 22. Into your hands I commend my spirit. That's a quotation of Psalm 31. He's quoting a psalm. And by the way, just as an aside here, y'all, how important were the psalms to Jesus? On the cross, some of the last things he said were quotations from the psalms. That shows us how important the psalms should be in our life. We should read the psalms. We should pray the psalms. We should reflect upon the psalms. The psalms should be our constant friend. The psalms are the best. I love them. They're so true and honest and real. They're beautiful. But Jesus here is quoting Psalm 31. Okay, well, that makes us ask, what's Psalm 31? Well, it's one of David's psalms. And David's the best, y'all, because David, sometimes he's way up here, like, God, you're awesome. You are my shepherd. You are my rock. You are my defender. You are amazing. And sometimes he's like, God, I want to die. I want them to die. While I'm dying, they need to die too. Like, David, man, he's all over the place. I love it. I love David. David's the best. Psalm 31 is a psalm that he writes where he's under attack. David, many times in his life, had to run for his life. He ran for his life before he became king. He ran for his life after he became king. David, throughout his life, always seems to be under attack. There always seems to be somebody out to get him, always somebody out to kill him, always somebody out to hurt him, always somebody out to defeat him. So here David is in the midst of running from his enemies, in the midst of feeling attacked from every side, feeling attacked from every side. Everyone's after him. It's terrible. In this moment, what does David say to God? Into your hands I commend my spirit. What does Jesus say here on the cross as he draws his last breath? Into your hands I commend my spirit. In other words, Father, I trust you. Father, I trust you. I give you my spirit. We look at Jesus. Jesus was both fully God and fully man. Fully God meant he knew. He knew. He knew the purpose he came for. Jesus Christ knew that he was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world to take away the sin of the world. What did John the Baptist say the first time he saw Jesus pass by? There goes the lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Jesus knew his mission ultimately was to die for our sins to destroy the power of evil. He knew that. He knew that. The the divinity of Jesus knew that. But yet his humanity was much like us. His humanity was much like us. And there he was in this moment of pain, in this moment of doubt, in this moment of fear. As we said, of all the terrible ways humans have come up with to kill each other, the cross is at the top of the list. So there he was on the cross, dying of heat and of asphyxiation, shamed for all the world to see. There he was in this terrible moment. And what does he say? He quotes this psalm. And in saying that, he says, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I trust your plan. I trust your hand. I trust your power. I trust your guidance.
I trust you. That's hard, y'all. I don't want Jesus to take the wheel. I want my hand on the wheel. I want to be in charge. And, and, and y'all, yeah, he can have the wheel when I'm driving the Delta and it's flat and everything's easy. Sure. Worst thing to do is run off in the cotton field and I'll call Alan. Alan knows somebody. She'll, she'll get me out of the ditch. But when it's hard and rocky and stormy, nah, I'd rather drive then. I'd rather drive. Jesus, you just sit on my side and kind of give me some advice now and then. But let me drive. I want to be, I want to be in control. I want to be in charge. This trust business is hard, y'all. This trust business is hard. Yet the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. See, God, God's not pleased. God's not, God is not pleased by our actions. One of my favorite quotes is this. God does not need your good works. Your neighbor needs your good works, but God does not need your good works. I love that idea because our good works are important because they help others and they, they glorify God. But I'm not saved by my good works. What is, how does the Bible say I'm, fa- say I'm saved? I am saved by grace through faith, lest no one can boast. I'm not saved by the stuff I do. Being a preacher has nothing to do with me going to heaven or hell. What saves me is faith in Jesus Christ. And what is faith in Jesus Christ ultimately? Trust. Trust. The very thing that saves me is the very thing that I don't want to do. God, give me a list. Give me a list of stuff to do. Give me a checklist and I'll do it. I'll, man, I, I told you, I got a notebook over there full of stuff I got to do tomorrow. I got me a checklist. I'm all about checklist. And here's God's checklist. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's a lot, y'all. How about I just settle for not murdering people? How about we settle? Well, that's a good one. I'll, do, I'll not murder folks, and that's good enough, right? Jesus says, no. It's about trust. It's about trust. It's about letting go of the wheel and trusting in God to get you there. I don't always want to go where he leads me, though, y'all. One of my favorite psalms in the Bible. I told you, y'all, we got to read the psalms. Psalms are the best. Psalm 119, 104. You've heard that before. Thy words are lamp unto my feet. And a light into my path. I love that psalm. And I love that verse. And here's why, y'all. God doesn't always show us where he wants us to be 10 steps from now, does he? And see, I, I want to know where I, I want to know where I need to be 10 steps from now. Because I got a plan. I got an agenda. And God needs, to, God needs to check my work, verify what I want done, and then bless me on my way. But that's not how God does this. God does not always show me where I want to be 10 steps from now. Because, yeah, if God showed me where he wanted me 10 steps from now, I may not want to go there. I may not want to go where God wants me 10 steps from now. I had my life in plans and in order. And where God has ordered my steps is not where I wanted to go sometimes. I may not be where God wants me at that point. So the Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God will not always give you enough light for 10 steps from now. 
God's not always that big truck on the road with the LED flash headlights that blinds your corneas after you pass them on the side of the road. God's the light to your feet. God may not always show you 10 steps from now, but you know what he'll show you? Enough light for the, for the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step. And then if you take the next faithful step that God shows you, you will be exactly where he needs you 10 steps from now. But y'all, we got to trust. We got to trust. We got to take our hand off the wheel. We got to take our hand off the ignition and let him drive. And y'all, Sometimes he's going to drive down paths we don't want to go. Y'all, I wish, I wish every path we walked was broad and smooth with good rocks. That'd be great. I wish that was every path we walked. Y'all, some, some, sometimes the path leads us into the darkness. Sometimes the path leads us up a mountain. Sometimes the path is curvy and hard. And we say, God, I can't walk that path. I can't walk the path you have in front of me. It's too much. I don't know the way. I don't know where this is going. I don't know what to do. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Take that next faithful step. Even if it is the darkness. Even if it's up the mountain. Even if it's a place you would not go because you have to trust Trust that the path God is leading you on is the path that leads you to life. Everything in our life, everything in our life works out for good. God doesn't always reveal the path, y'all. God doesn't always reveal the path. But his path is for good. I didn't know when I was two years old, my mom was going to get murdered. It's not a path I would have chosen to have walked. But God uses it for good. I've learned to trust him. He's never failed. He didn't fail me when I was two when my mom was murdered. He didn't fail me last year when I had a cancer going to my body that shouldn't have been caught. He didn't fail me then either. God is a God who we can trust. Who we can trust. Even if it's hard. Even if it's a challenge. Even if we don't know. We can trust because he is good. And what God wants, God's plan for your life is better than your dream for your life. Say that again. God's plan for your life is better than your dream for your life. You just got to take your hand off the wheel. You just got to trust. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. No matter how hard it may be, no matter how hard it may look, We can trust him. 
Because his love has never failed us yet. And his love will not fail us. Into your hands, O God, I commend my spirit. In this moment of pain, Jesus Christ trusted in his Father. By his grace, may we trust in our Father just the same. Trusting in God is always the right answer. May we trust. Let's pray.